<laughs> Welcome to old school and new school broadcasting. Mike Caps, Carl Schoening alongside, and the laughing you are hearing uh, off mic is that of Bill Schoening. Bill is Carl's dad's uh, dad, of course, but the 20th season he's in now is radio voice of NBA's San Antonio Spurs, but what a rich background before that gig. Voice of the Texas Longhorns for 12 years, football, basketball, and baseball. Texas Sportscaster of the Year in 2014 has broadcast NFL, Major League Baseball, and arena football, and they're bound to be arena football stories. Uh, and, and just <laughs> as, as a note for young broadcasters listening to this, if you've never listened to Bill Shoning on NBA play or football or baseball, you need to find a tape. You need to find some way to listen because this man lays a professional sports broadcast out as good as anybody and better than most, and it's worth your while. And even if you copied him, I never say copy, but even if you copied Bill Shoning, you wouldn't be far from doing it the right way. So <laughs> welcome, Mr. Shoning. We are anxious to have you on this. Carl and I have been talking about this since we started. And, and, and let's just start it this way. Uh, you and I have talked many, many times about how our news careers played into uh, a readiness to do sports broadcasting for many reasons. And uh, talk a little bit about uh, your reasons for, for believing in that as well. First of all, thanks very much for having me, guys. I really do appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for the kind words, Mike. Uh, I always wanted to be a sports play-by-play -play guy from the time I was 10 years old. So as you know, in small market radio, you don't always have the opportunity to just do sports only. So for me, my niche was news. So news really was my backbone. It really gave me the foundation uh, to build upon, and uh, especially in terms of writing. Uh, Mike, you know this many years being a network broadcaster and a network news reporter. Uh, if you can write, uh, you can get a lot of jobs in this industry because uh, that is something that I've always yeah. used as my base is my foundation, the ability to write. And of course, even today, as an NBA play-by-play -play guy, I use my writing skills for reports during the course of the week, uh, for intros and outros during the course of the game, uh, for opens, for the broadcast. So there's a lot of reasons to uh, be able to write. And uh, that is true in news, and it carries over into sports. Would you say that's the biggest lesson you learned from your days in radio news? Oh, there's a lot of lessons I learned from my days in radio news, Mike. Uh, first of all, I was working long hours. <laughs> when you work sure. in news in a small market, even though Huntsville and La Mesa were small markets, uh, there was still a lot of stuff going on that we had to cover. And it might just be school board meetings or city council meetings. And then, of course, in Huntsville, I covered the prison system, uh, which uh, during the 80s, as you know, Mike, was a very tumultuous time. Uh, oh, yes. Overcrowding, violence in the prisons. A lot of executions were going on. Uh, there was a lot of different... Uh, theories and philosophies as to what the state should do uh, with all these extra inmates. You know, they get tougher on crime. That means more inmates. Uh, and obviously, that that's a debate that still goes on today. Uh, do they have too many uh, inmates in the system? And could there be a different way to try to rehabilitate these uh, folks uh, that have gone off the, uh, off the right path? So I think that, uh, you know, that background of news really gave me a good foundation. Also, made me appreciate sports more because I always wanted to do sports. Yes. But for the first yes. 10 years of my career, career, I had to do a lot of other stuff to get my Tuesday nights and Friday nights, you know,
you know, my fix on sure. the high school baseball and high school basketball on Tuesdays and Fridays. And then, of course, uh, the baseball as well. So uh, I really enjoyed my time doing news, but I was ready for a full-time sports job uh, by the time I got that. Uh, Lady Bird gave me that full-time job in 1989. I went to work for Lady Bird Johnson and KLBJ. That's 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 such a great story, and and just to add to it a little bit, um, coming out of covering wars and insurrections uh, gave me the. Um, <laughs> I just wake up every day thinking, God, I got out of that alive, both of you. And and the bottom line is, you you understand as well as anybody, Bill, the the thankfulness you have when you get to strap it on uh, in a baseball park or a, a basketball arena or a football field. It's just it's it's special. And Carl, I bet you have five questions at least off the top for your dad. No, no, I've gotten most of my answers questions answered throughout the course of my life. <laughs> That's fine. Why don't you ask one or two that maybe some of our young broadcasting friends would appreciate hearing from uh, from son to dad? I guess I do have a question in the sense of it relates back to the podcast. Uh, old school versus new school. You've been in sports broadcasting for 42 years. How has just the industry changed here as, you know, we – it's been a whole different century, uh, two centuries that you've broadcasted, essentially. <laughs> yeah, but wow. I, I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing <laughs> the, up the way I phrase it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, four decades is long enough, but two, two centuries is a long time. Obviously, yeah. it's changed a great deal because now, uh, even when I go to NBA meetings, uh, they don't put radio with radio guys. We are audio, not, no longer radio because so many people now are consuming the product uh, through their phones and uh, through their uh, iPods and iPads and uh, all kinds of different uh, ways to, to get the product and it's no longer just in a little radio box. So we're no longer radio, we're now audio. And uh, you know this, Carl, from being involved with a live streaming business, uh, how many people now are uh, absorbing their sports, not necessarily watching the TV or listening to the radio, but all these different ways to, uh, to get the product. Well, it, it, having said that, and uh, I'm not going to go with the question, Carl, I told you I was going to go with, but um, – you bring up the radio experience and us both being children of radio, Bill. Where does radio fit in sports casting from 2021 forward? I mean, there's a lot of people in baseball now that even at the AAA level, and not a lot, but a few who have gone to streaming only and not radio station-wise. I think that's a mistake. But where does it go with the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL? How long does this medium, how long will it last, do you think? Well, I think it's going to continue to evolve in different ways. I think there's still a demand for radio. I think the radio stations are still important. Uh, but again, as we have all these different streams of uh, opportunities opening up, technology seems to change every day, guys. So I think that oh, yeah. we're seeing a uh, constantly evolving world as far as technology is concerned. Um, you, you can't rent a car now without a CD player or with a CD player. And that's the way I used to always consume my music from CDs. Sure. Now, of sure. course, it's streaming. So uh, you, you've got to get on Spotify or Amazon or whatever uh, to, to listen 
listen to music anymore and not just from a radio station uh, or from a CD player if you have a particular artist you like, but now you go to Spotify and enter their name in. So it's a whole different world. It's completely changed now from what it was 40 years ago. And I would imagine in the next couple of years, these changes will continue to happen and uh, things will continue to change, usually for the better. Uh, sometimes, you know, us old school folks, uh, we, we like listening to the radio, <laughs> you know, but. Well, there's no uh, doubt about it. I mean, you grew up. Need- What's that, Mike? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish your finish your sentence there. Uh, but when when you've got uh, audio streaming, uh, like for instance, uh, I listened to uh, the NCAA championship game uh, driving back the other night, and I didn't have to worry about getting out of range of the radio station because I had the live stream going on from Westwood One. So uh, in that way, it is better. You don't have to worry about trying to pick up the other radio station that might have the game, or or try to scan your dial trying to find the game. Uh, you've got it right there on your stream. Well, and I would I would continue this thought here, and I I, I want you to both weigh in on this, uh, because Carl has this wonderful little SHN business that we that we work on together. Um, you, I think right now radio finds itself, and this word I'm talking about uh, scatter shooting this here. Radio finds itself in a situation where it's trying to figure out exactly where it fits in the scheme of audio. And and I, I, I tend to think that the bigger stations in the bigger markets are going to come out of this okay as long as their business plan works. The other side of it is, if it doesn't, I think they're, I, I think they're in trouble. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a real good point. And I think that small market radio, as we knew it, has changed as well. It's almost like I went to one of these little towns that I um, first started out in, Pena, Illinois. And I went downtown and downtown is like a ghost town uh there used to be thriving businesses downtown but now all the mom and pop shops are out at walmart uh you know the guy that owned his own hardware store is out of business uh because walmart's taking that business the guy that owned the drugstore is out of business because of walgreens it's a shame but that's what we're seeing i think it's some of these small towns and it happens with radio stations as well no doubt about it. Carl, this is aimed at you and your dad because you have followed your dad into the business. We find in baseball, and Bill can tell you, football and basketball and baseball are all the same. And it, 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 when when a young person comes in or approaches uh, a scout or a scout approaches him or however it works, it helps that his dad played the sport at a professional level. And I'm just wondering, Carl, if you found any resistance because your dad is who he is or if it has helped pave the way for you. It's certainly been interesting because, you know, there's just general thoughts on philosophy of broadcasting and I could ask him and my dad would pretty much give me an answer that most dads can't uh, in terms of just all of the experience he has. So, you know, that's definitely something that I think has been beneficial to me. And, you know, every now and again, he'll say something. And even if I knew it, it's, you know, still something that you wouldn't hear from a normal dad. And it's good to have that kind of criticism behind you because you can always improve in this industry. There's no such thing as a perfect broadcast. And I tend to tell that to people, especially in their first hundred or so broadcasts, when they realize they're striving for protection, uh, perfection, and they get down on themselves when they're just kind of, uh, you know, maybe making those early mistakes. And, you know, sometimes getting down on yourself on those mistakes lead to more mistakes. And, you know, I, I deal with a, a bunch of new beginning broadcasters, and uh, they 
they don't even have the uh, you know experience of having a dad who works in the industry so you just listen to him all the time you know and uh, knowing these people personally uh, even if they're they're not a parent or uh, a relative uh, just you you feel a bit more um, involved I guess in a broadcast and interested in what they have to say because you're listening to the broadcast differently than the average fan as well so you know like if you're listening to a Spurs radio broadcast I'm probably listening to it a little bit more intently than the person <laughs> sure. that's just listening for the score sure and who scored, you know. So oh, th- yeah. those kind of things definitely bleed over. And you know, long answer, long here. Um, you know, from a from a uh, practice standpoint and uh, the actual ability, I think that that's where you know the advantages is. But the advantages are because you hear somebody like um, Ian Eagle's son. I, I'm blanking on his name. Um, no. Noah. Noah, Noah Eagle. Um, You know, he's really good, and he's 22, and he got the Clippers radio gig out of Syracuse. So, you know, he's done a lot before that, too. So it's not just, you know, your your relation to somebody. It's what all of you done. And, you know, I don't want to venture guess too much, but I'd say that I'm probably somewhere past my thousandth broadcast at this point. <laughs> you know, like it's been about 10 years since I started actually doing games as a high school student. And, and that's really where I think, uh, you know, you, you see these people like my dad who just didn't really have a quit and thus you don't want to have a quit. And that's a little bit easier for some people to realize, Oh, this is hard. And I'm just going to ha- have to stop really. And, you know, I think, um, you know, the fact that it was hard and, you know, uh, you, you do have to pay your own dues in this industry. And the fact that I knew that from somebody that, you know, my dad, I, I was related to, it made me paying my own dues uh, a little bit easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. And here's, here's the other thing about it. And, and Bill, I really want you to weigh in heavily on this because we're not trying to discourage young people who do not have fathers that are in the business. What we're trying to say is, yes, it's a difficult profession, And then the other side of that is uh, I have found, and Bill, I bet you have, a lot of joy in having kids come to me and say, tell me what I got to do. Tell me truthfully what this is all about. Sure, absolutely. And something Carl touched on too, Mike, I think is important, is that there is no such thing as a perfect broadcast. I've been doing this for a long time, and I guarantee you there's one or two mistakes in there somewhere. Even if I feel like I've got a really good broadcast going on, I may misidentify a player or not uh, you know, spew out the perfect stat at that particular time. So there's no such thing as a perfect broadcast. Therefore, I continue to try to learn from other broadcasters. I try to listen to other guys do games, Absolutely. different ways, different terminologies. Um, you know, I, and not, not to say that I steal from guys, but, you know, uh, it's okay in this business to pick up a little thing here, a little thing there, uh, mm-hmm. a way a certain word is phrased or a way a certain term is presented that might be a little bit clearer. Uh, so I'm always trying to pick up new things and, and evolve as a broadcaster uh, because I think that uh, the day you think that you're not going to get better or that you've you know you've reached the mountaintop is the day you start climbing down the mountain and <laughs> keep ascending. So uh, I, I try to, and I, I'm very, very thankful that I got my health uh, and that I still have my energy. And uh, I've done over 1,900 consecutive games now for the Spurs. Uh, so awesome. I'm, I'm very happy about that. Uh, and uh, I hope that I can, you know, keep going and make it to 2,000. But I marvel at guys like the, the late Chick Hearn, who uh, Mike broadcast 3,833 consecutive games of the <laughs> L- L.A. Lakers. Uh, he did not. That gives you. A- 
1965 to 2001. The guy did Holy not miss a game. So, uh, <laughs> that gives you a sore throat just thinking about that. <laughs> so well, I, there are guys in the business to follow and, and to uh, emulate, certainly. Uh, but uh, the work ethic involved with a guy that's so dedicated, uh, you know, that's where I get some of my inspiration from guys like that. Well, and it's 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 really true, and and Bill and Carl both know this. But uh, two of the people that, that were huge for me were were Ernie Harwell and Bill Mercer. And Mercer is ninety five and not doing broadcast anymore. He's in a in a retirement home in Durham, North Carolina. But uh, Ernie just was spectacular for as long as he lived. And and we do lean into those kind of people, and and it is very very helpful. And and it it sort of goes back to the old adage, when you give back, you get back even more. Absolutely. And I enjoy talking to students here. You're mentioning young people want to get in the business. Uh, I know when Carl was a student at Texas State, I went down several times to talk to some of his classes and, uh, you know, just give them a little bit of knowledge from, from my background. And, uh, and I enjoy watching young broadcasters grow and get better. It, it's been a thrill for me to watch Carl in the business and, uh, you know, doing uh, you know, NCAA football right now with Southwestern University and some of the things that he's been able to do with the Austin Spurs professional uh, basketball team that's the G League team uh, an affiliate of the San Antonio Spurs so uh, it's a thrill for me to see him you know working hard and climbing uh, the ladder and uh, I know he's busting it right now he's got a lot of stuff going on he's juggling a lot of different plates but that's part of the deal uh, I mean up until like I said uh, my first 10 years uh, in, in the business I was doing a bunch of different things and sure. not just doing the game on Friday night I was spinning records taking the trash out on Wednesday days uh interviewing death row inmates covering school board meetings uh yeah mike you know we used to we used to spell school board b-o-r-e-d oh boring thing yeah i mean to spend two hours listening to um you know people talk about finances and schools it's not really a lot of fun so uh you get get through those times and uh, you look forward to going out and calling a game on friday night well that's true and and uh uh, when when I first went to WFAA TV in Dallas, it, Fort Worth, it was uh, that that's where I was assigned was the school B O R E D. Fortunately, <laughs> fortunately for the news end of that, uh, it was it, it it was. Let me let me try to be gentlemanly about this. It was a pier six knockdown, drag your ass out brawl about wow. every third meeting. It, the the politics were so intense. But that said, uh, when when uh, the boss there said I didn't have to do it anymore and I was going to go cover space, which I knew from my days in Houston, uh, it was free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. <laughs> I'm free from the school board. But Bill, let's take <laughs> let's take let's take a young person who may be listening. Uh, to this podcast and thinking, you know, it looks like fun. It sounds like the guys are having fun. Start from the, from the very bottom and, and what you think is the most important thing for a young person to gauge whether they're really involved in this or not. Well, I think preparation is a key. And also you have to have a passion. Uh, I use that word a lot, passion, because I don't think you can do what we do and fake it. I think you have to love the Round Rock Express and minor league baseball and baseball in general if you're going to be the voice of the Round Rock Express. Same thing with the San Antonio Spurs or the Southwestern Pirates or whatever team uh, you're broadcasting for. You have to bring the passion every night and realize that the people listening to you are really involved. They're really dedicated. That is their team. So you might have a headache or you might be having an off night, but you got to 
fight through that and realize that you got to bring the passion every night because this is what you do. Uh, you bring the games to people. And um, when I talk about preparation, I mean going into a ball game, knowing both teams, knowing that if something comes up, a curveball, that you're ready to hit that curveball right up the middle. Uh, you've yep. got to be prepared for different things to come up in the game. And I think that's where your confidence comes in. If you have enough time to prepare and get ready for the game, and I know sometimes, Carl, on the high school level it's difficult because coaches aren't always a real cooperative about sharing information uh, where oh. at the professional yes. level you get the, that information much more readily. But um, but you just have to be the, the, as prepared as you possibly can. And therefore, when you go in, you're confident. Uh, and, and you've already got kind of that the groundwork is laid. Uh, you got the base and the foundation ready to go. And then you just basically build off of that when the action starts. And don't you think that once you've been around a league for a couple of years, uh, whether it's in the NCAA or whether it's in uh, no 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 doubt Division One, Two, and Three, those people have have be- become pretty good at providing notes, game notes, and those sorts of things. But when when you're known, your face is known, your reputation is known, it's a lot easier for you, and, and you just you can't do that uh, doing five games. Uh, over a Friday night. It, it, this is a thing you acquire over time. Absolutely. And, and the same thing is true. And now this year, of course, is completely different with the pandemic because we don't have access yes. to players and coaches the way we normally would. Uh, but, you know, having been in the NBA now for 20 years, now I can tell you, you start to go t- to know the uh, opposing coaches, the opposing players. You got guys on the opposing team that used to be on your team. So it, it's, it's like a network. It's relationships and you get to know yes. people. And it makes you do your job so much easier because, you know, 25 minutes before you go on the air, uh, uh, there goes uh, Boris Diaw. He used to play for us. Hey, Boris, can I get a couple of minutes? Oh, yeah, sure. So, and you chit-chat about a couple of different things. And the other thing I also like uh, about sports is that, and I think this is evolving a little bit, we don't have to talk necessarily X's and O's during an interview. Uh, I think right. that uh, right now, at least at the professional level, we have a lot of interesting people that have a lot of different things to bring to the table. Whether And this is the thing I really like about the NBA now, Mike, is that there's so many international players. So, yes. And the Spurs, of course, oh my are God, the forefront yes. of that, bringing players in from different countries. And, and you know that covering baseball with a lot of Central American guys. But, oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Their experiences are so different than ours. Uh, I love to delve into that. Uh, yeah, I love to talk sure. to Tony Parker about the wineries near Paris. Or, uh, you know, we've, we've got a player from Croatia right now that I haven't really had a chance to visit with as much as I'd like to. His name is Luka Shamanich. I always wanted to go to Croatia. So sure. uh, I just enjoy talking to guys from different parts of the world about their experiences, how they paid their dues, and how they ended up in the States and how they ended up in the NBA. Well, and don't you think the other side of that, too, is as important, and that is when you're talking to Tony Parker about vineyards and you're talking to, let's just say, uh, we've had a couple of Japanese and Korean guys come through here uh, about their home experiences, you're really and truly opening up their humanity for people to see and hear. And, And that makes the games, to me at least, so much more vivid. Yeah, because now you've got a live human being, not just a pitcher who throws 85 miles an hour and, you know, right. a cutter and a split finger, whatever. I mean, now right. you've got a, a real person that's had experiences growing up in Tokyo or wherever he happens to be from. And, yeah, I, I think that uh, – and you can bring that into your broadcast. As, as you talk about this uh, pitcher, it's not just about his ERA and how many hits he's given up, but also the fact that, you know, he, he comes from a – 
uh, a family that had a farm outside of uh, Nagano or wherever he's from. Sure. I mean, and these are interesting people that they've backstories. And I think that uh, that makes it much more interesting. No question about it. Visiting with Bill Schoening. He is the voice of the San Antonio Spurs, has been for 20 NBA seasons. Carl Schoening, his son alongside as we tend to wrap up old school, new school broadcasting. But, Carl, I want you to to uh, dive into anything else you want to ask your dad here before we get well, going. Well, you know, it's, it's really one of the blessings of his career that he got to see the all-time winningest trio in NBA history. Yep. And, and you know, I, I think that uh, any podcast with Bill Schoening should – probably bring up the Tim Duncan, Monty Ginobili, Tony Parker era more than just, oh, what kind of wine did you talk about? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I know that that's the only time we've brought up Tony really, but, uh, you know, really when it comes down to your actual sports broadcasting career, that is something that no other sports broadcaster can, can say anymore is that, except for you, that you saw the winningest trio in NBA history. Forget Bird, McHale, and Parrish, you know, uh, Magic and Kareem didn't do some of the things that Tim Duncan did over the course of your career with the Spurs. So, you know, what was it like essentially back then, uh, more or less having a front row seat to that? I tried to not take it for granted because I knew how special it was at the time. Uh, and uh, I got to call every game of Manu Ginobili's amazing career, 16 years in the NBA, preseason, That's regular season, and excellent. postseason. And this guy, Mike, finished his career with a winning percentage of 721. When he played for the San Antonio Spurs, the Spurs won oh 72% of those games. It's the all-time record for a player for a winning percentage. Uh, and he was the third guy in the big three, right? So, uh, And just the kind of flair that he brought to the game. And they all complimented each other. And during that period of time, too, the Spurs played very good defense most of the time. And, you know, the, some of the national media kind of poo-pooed on the Spurs. It's a small market in South Texas. Yeah. Uh, they didn't really have any uh, pizzazz. They win with defense. Tim Duncan uh, is not a guy that, uh, you know, pounds his chest or does anything. All he does is win. So uh, it, it was fun to watch the team during that period of time because I thought they won with class. Uh, I thought that uh, they played hard. They complimented each other. Uh, their bench played an important role, which I think is very important. And as we mentioned earlier, they had that international flair uh, with guys coming in from different countries and making contributions. Uh, really the first time, at least on a wide-scale basis, uh, that an NBA team uh, went overseas and, and got some really good players. One of the things we want to emphasize to the younger broadcasters listening, you can actually find Bill Schoening, and he will talk to you. You can find me. I will talk to you. Carl Schoening will. Because we really want to grow this industry, and we really want it to thrive. We really want younger people to come into it, not to displace us necessarily, maybe when we're 80 years old. But <laughs> At some point. That, that said, uh, we, we're there. And uh, we'll help. Amen. Yeah, and it's a booming industry. It really is like what I'm doing here with SHN. We literally just had a school district reach out to us about doing all of their games down to their middle school events. And <laughs> I, I, I basically am going to tell them that, hey, that's on you to crew. I'm not I'm not staffing those events. But, you know, when when it comes down to it, there are going to be plenty of school districts these days doing things that, you know, you guys, I, I, I don't know if you imagined that eventually one day every single high school varsity football game uh, 
for just any random school could have all of their games aired live, essentially. You know, obviously, TV stations aren't going to go out there no. and do, uh, right. you know, maybe like a Lake Travis in 2025 has a TV station working with them. But more or less, you know, everything's just going to be run through the Internet at this point, you know, like and it's it's just crazy how the internet and now the maybe within the last five seven years since you know mike and i really got into it it can be a high quality broadcast for not too much uh, cost on ex, uh, expenses of equipment and internet fees it's a growing no industry there's no question about that and uh you know again like i said earlier the technology uh has really evolved this and i think it's going to continue uh, to evolve and change and grow um, and, you know, these live streams, um, as you know, Mike, and of course, Carl, you're right in the front lines of it. Uh, there are a lot of people that uh, can't get to the game, you know, mom, sure. uh, mom and dad work or uh, grandpa's in California. And he'd love to see, you know, his son play a, a basketball game or whatever the sport might be. Yep. And, and we're in a, we're in an era now where I think community is so important, whether people who are battling from two different political, uh, side see it or not it is what makes us a great country and that's the community that we are and uh, we really do a good job i think at shn and bill i think you'd agree with this uh in in terms of putting people uh who can't be at a certain athletic event there for their children and grandchildren and we're going to be in good shape as long as mamas and daddies are developing baseball and football and basketball players and we're even delving into into uh other events other than athletics. So I think we're on the right yep. track here. And they got good we, programs at Georgetown High and at Southwestern University. Oh and my God, it seems like yes. there's really good people involved in those programs. So, um, really yeah. Are. And of course, we're in a growing area, right, Mike? So, I mean, yeah. um, as Austin grows, so does Round Rock and Pflugerville and Georgetown and all the surrounding towns. No question well, let, about you know, it. Yeah, let's not even uh, let's not even leave out the smaller communities where I think that it's almost needed more when you're talking about Malakoff. Oh um, my! I mean, Mike, you you might know a little better than me, but every couple of years it changes, obviously. But it, it's got to be hard for people who work normal jobs to have to sure. drive to small town Texas to catch the game. Like they might catch the second half if they leave as soon as they get off or something, because you know, unlike Austin, the teams are more or less really spread out. I, I've had. Uh, our business partner Rob Hip, who does Sam Houston State and you know covers uh, the Huntsville Hornets, some of their away district games are two hours away. It's crazy. Oh yeah, and just think about this: uh, now you have, if, if you're a young broadcaster, you have access to three former KSAM broadcasters. <laughs> Actually, right. Rob Hip is a current broadcaster there. I, I, I don't know how it gets any better than that, huh? Right, unless Dan Rather makes himself available. Well, you know, I've invited him out to do some games, and I don't know whatever happened about that, but I'd still love to have him out because, you know, he did Houston Buffs uh, Texas League games. I didn't know that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right after he right after he got out of uh, KSAM and, and Sam Houston State, he did. Listen, Bill, I really enjoy your work. I always have. And uh, your, your boy is really coming on here, and we're really proud of him. And I know you and, and Jerry are also. Well, thanks very much, Mike. And uh, I look forward to coming out and see the Express play this year, Mike. I know last year was a rough year. But, uh, <laughs> God, you don't know. You and uh, <laughs> seeing the E-Train out there uh, back at Dell Diamond, uh, that, that'll be good for all of us. 
We're looking forward to seeing you and Carl, you and I will talk very soon and special thanks to all three of us. We really enjoyed being with you. We hope you gave, we gave you young broadcasters some insight on old school, new school broadcasting back again as you follow SHN.